Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support anytime you don't have to hide how you feel welcome to the megan kelly show your home for open honest and provocative conversations hey everyone i'm megan kelly welcome to the megan kelly show today ryan long this guy is a comedian. He's host of, of a podcast called The Boys Cast with Ryan Long. He basically says, ladies, keep on going. This is this one's for the boys. Uh, but he's become hugely popular thanks to his YouTube bits. I don't know if you call them clips, bits, uh, posts, uh, but they're amazing. And they're clever. They're so clever. I know you've seen some of these. Like one of the ones that we loved was how wokes and racists sound exactly the same. If you listen to them speaking and you didn't know who was speaking, you you know, they would like David Duke and Ibram X. Kendi sound an awful lot like one another. And it's a little scary. It's a little scary. But he does it in a very funny, somewhat biting way for a Canadian. Um, and we get into that, too, because I think he, he's wrestling with it because he is a he's a sweet Canadian guy who's just moved to New York, which I don't think most people would call sweet. I don't think people call America sweet, you know, strong. Yes, but sweet. <laughs> uh, so how's that going? And uh, he's got some strong thoughts on everything, on COVID, the Canadian restrictions, on Hollywood, on the media, on what's happening to comedy, SNL. We get into all of it. You're going to love him and you're going to love the clips that we have for you. But first, this. Ryan, how are you? Hey, Megan. Thanks for having me. Oh, my gosh. The pleasure's all mine. Thank you for all the laughs you've given me. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. So I did not realize until I sort of got knee de- deep in prep for the interview that um, you were a rocker, that you were lead singer of, of a pretty successful band. I was in a band. That was kind of the first, you know, half of my life from when I was, but this was when I was like 20. I was in this pretty successful band. And then by the time I was 25, I was kind of more wrapped up in this whole comedy game. And what kind of band was it? So I was in this like punk band that we kind of got popular almost when I was in high school and then, you know, a little bigger when I was in college. Then by the time I finished that, I was kind of touring full time. And when I was in the band, I was doing a lot of these like DVDs, kind of, you know, jackass style. And I was really huge into Tom Green and making all these videos. And at some point, it kind of became clear that I was you know, spending way more time than on that than I was on the on the band. And also it was kind of, you know, every scene, especially with music, has sort of a four or five year, maybe a little longer lifespan. And um, that there was also sort of coinciding with the music industry crashing and burning. And then I sort of had a TV show with the guys from the band 
that sort of led to the stuff that I'm doing now. Okay. All right. Because one of your videos has you sitting around with a bunch of supposed bass players lamenting. It's like a bass player support group lamenting how the bass player never gets any glory. No the love. The bass player support group. That was one of my first big viral videos. So that was, I was like a, a small part owner and I created the video department for this website called The Hard Times, which is like a satire site about bands. And and um they they had some of the funniest articles even before I was involved with them. I remember uh, seeing one that I was like, oh, this is so funny. It was an article and I had a, a guy standing there and it said, band manager, not exactly sure what he should be doing. <laughs> it's like the guy. <laughs> and, it, and it was just so, I was like, oh man, that's so on the nose. So I, uh, yeah, the guy runs in Matt Sancom. He's so, he's like a really cool guy. And then I, I kind of got involved with him and built their video department. We had a whole, but we did like concert proponer consultants and we, we did, uh, probably 20 videos and we had a bunch of viral hits. Um, ah. building up that site. This explains a lot because when I watch your clips on YouTube and you're huge on YouTube, I mean, a lot of, a lot of your videos get, you can get 4.5, 4.2 million per clip. I mean, which is huge. Nobody's- And you can never predict which one. <laughs> I know, right? That's that's so true. You never know what's really going to resonate. But no. when I watch them, one of the things that jumps out at me is not only are you a really good comedian, but you're a really good actor. You can act. Oh, really? See, I, I would say I'm a really good filmmaker and, you know, stuff like that. I don't know if I would go as far as to say I'm a good actor. I think a lot of comedians all suck at acting, but there is something to be said about when you're a comedian, you sort of spend your, you know, your whole life working on this one tiny character that essentially is yourself. And then you kind of <laughs> do that over and over again. So I think that I have like decent comedic chops. And I think that people a lot of times would say, oh, you know, you're a good actor, but they're wrong. I'm actually not. Like if I, no, whenever no. I, <laughs> whenever I go, you're being modest. I, you are, you're good. I like you, you pull me into these segments. I forget you're doing comedy. You just make, you're just making me laugh, but you're so in character that I'm into it. I like, I will get to this, but I'm pretty good at my one little thing that I do. <laughs> no, no, no. You'd be starring in movies and you'd be on SNL and you'd be the darling of the comedy world that, you know, controls television at least. But because you're not woke, <laughs> that's never going to happen. It's so fine. You can run the digital world. You don't need to run the linear television world. Yeah, definitely. Um, the trajectory for someone like me right now is a little different. And I don't know if it's better or worse, but there is there is a situation where, yeah, the um, Hollywood is sort of missing you know, a whole genre of, you know, good people, but that's okay. I mean, I, I, I think that I like the idea that, um, there are, you know, when I, I when I moved here, I, I'm from Canada and I moved to America pretty recently and I knew that there was a lot of people doing really great things. So it's honestly less appealing to kind of be involved with these big places anyway, for a lot of reasons. So I think that there <laughs> it's a, it been a, you know, a blessing in disguise or, a, and there's positives and negatives to the point, the fact that I can, you know, kind of everyone can run their own little empire right now. And it's kind of cool. A hundred percent. I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. I lo look, I, I have a love hate relationship with Belmar, um, but his show, you know, it gets maybe a couple million viewers, but I mean, it, y your clip, like we, we just talked about the one that I love most recently was the, how the wokes and the racists are the same. That's 4.2 million views. Um, so it's like, you're in there. There's a, di there's just a different way to reach audience now. Um, in a way we never saw before. And just in case our audience doesn't know you that well and doesn't know this clip, they need to. So I'm going to play a bit of it on how wokes and racists are basically the same. 
When me and Brad first met, I didn't think we'd get along, but turns out we kind of agree on everything. Your, Your racial, racial identity is the most important thing. thing. Everything, everything should be looked at through the lens of race. Jinx, you owe me a Coke. Damn. We both have a lot of opinions about people of color, even though we barely know any. I say colored people, but as long as we're classifying them, we both think minorities are a united group who think the same and act the same. And vote the same. You don't want to lose your black card. Sorry, I don't know. I just think we should roll, roll back, back discrimination laws so we can hire based on race again. Jinx, now you owe me a Coke. <laughs> hey, tell them what you told me yesterday. White actors should only do voices for white cartoon characters. Been saying that for years. Stick to your own. Us white people, we have so much privilege. I agree. It is a privilege to be white. Ask him about interracial dating. All I said is that black men who date white women have internalized racism, and white men that date ethnic women are fetishizing them. Guys against interracial dating now. Like, am I being pranked? Did Boomer put you up to this? Ugh, you know that taco place is white owned? White people should be making white foods, like Kraft macaroni and cheese, no seasoning, not even salt. It's like he's a mind reader. I mean, I've been pushing for segregation forever, and my man does what? I created an improv comedy show exclusively for ethnic people. Guys, segregates comedy on my birthday. White people need to stop wearing dreadlocks, and they need to stop appropriating black people's music. Shaved heads and country music, the way God intended. It's so funny even listening to that right now because I probably haven't watched that video in a while and you go, it feels like things move so quick that I feel like even six months ago, it's like the conversations move so far past that. I, I always think there's like a, a huge disconnect between what normal people think and, you know, kind of what your corporate Hollywood opinion is or whatever. My synopsis on the, you know, general vibe was that, you know, people didn't like this stuff. <laughs> as much as they were, you know, as much as you'd be led to believe by the media. Of course. But I mean, you're doing the thing that comedians do so well, which is why you guys are just treasures, which is you have these intellectual, thoughtful observations on society and where we're moving and you set them to the tune of comedy. So we get entertained, but we also hear and see what we're hearing and seeing in society that we might not be able to name or we might not be able to identify as articulately as you just did there brought to life for us in a way that's like, yes, exactly. I mean, that's that's why we're so grateful for somebody like you. I think what you described is, I mean, what we're I think we're we're trying to do. I was kind of thinking it's funny, like there's, an, you know, kind of an entire genre of uh, intellectual, you know, voices in the world. And, you know, I like I like a lot of those guys, but it is almost in the podcasting world. It's how can we make this point over the course of a three or four hour, you know, right. conversation? You're pithy. Yeah. And then there's and then there's comedy where it's you almost do the opposite, where you have this, you know, point you've been thinking of for two years or whatever, and you're going through all the different versions of it. And you're you know, how can I say one sentence sometimes mm -hmm. that on stage that says more about um, that says more about, you know, that point than than you could have in three hours. And I think that that's when comedy is at its best. Oh, well, I mean, can I if we're going to if we're going to do the I worked a long time to sum it down to one sentence. My favorite one of yours is on gender. Oh, my God, this is so good. I had plans to write an article about how women are better at football, women are better at fathering, and women have nicer hogs than men. Fight the patriarchy by having sex with an entire bar staff and then crying about it. There's no such thing as gender unless we're talking about something women are better at. Oh, <laughs> the that's from the Vice Magazine one. <laughs> you catch the hypocrisy of the messaging so brilliantly. You're not allowed to have gender anymore unless you're praising women and ripping on men, right? Why can't right. more people get that? We gotta have these little quick retorts in our back pockets. I think one of the reasons why um, maybe my things, you know, kind of are a, a vessel that, you know, people find it funny is because I, tr I try pretty hard to not really have like venom in my comedy. Mm -hmm. So it's almost I try to 
you know, go through ideas pretty aggressively in my head. And by the time I try to get to stage, I try to not be angry about it. And I think there's, you know, even when you watch on the internet, a lot of people are making jokes about targets that they're really mad at. And I think that's, you know, to some people, there's some virtue in that, you know, funneling that anger into art or whatever. But I try to do the opposite where I'm, I'm very, I'm, you're almost confident in the point. So you're making fun of what would, you know, essentially be your a friend, you know, the way that you would with a friend. So I try to have not a venom. And I think that's mm -hmm. when, you know, roasts and stuff like that are at their best. That's interesting to talk about the anger, because I mean, that's what I see when I watch Stephen Colbert or Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, and it's why Jimmy Fallon was failing during the Trump years, because he's not an angry guy. You know, he he may or may not like Trump. I don't he he decided to pretend at least that he didn't like him once he once he got hammered for having a friendly interview with the guy. But he's not a hateful guy. But Kimmel and Colbert are oozing anger. And, I, you know, their side likes that because they're angry, too. They also hate Trump. They don't like Republicans. And so they felt validated by it. But it's hard. Like, I do think it makes you much more accessible to the wider, you know, group of humans. If you can remove some of that. I'm not uh, interested in anger, but that's the difference between, you know, comedy and activism. And I think that that's a conversation that like a lot of comics have to deal with. And because as soon as you start saying something, you know, people try to weaponize you and make you sort of a voice for a movement and you and it's hard to combat that. So you always need to sort of go back to first principles of, you know, what am I trying to do? If you set out to, you know, help this side or make these points, then I think you're going to get caught up in in losing honesty and truth. Mm -hmm. And um, I think a lot of people did that in the last four years, and it was probably hard not to. Well, you know, uh, Dave Chappelle was just on with Joe Rogan. He was talking about like SNL and how nobody's woke enough. I think we have that clip. Like you say, no one can be woke enough. You know, I'm torn because I like a warrior for a good cause, but I'm really into tactics. You're not going to nag people into behaving right in a way that, you know, in fact, if, if you continue with this tone, even if you're right, you'll be very hard to hear. Uh, and, and it came in the context of all these SNLers complaining that Elon Musk was guest hosting and he wound up having, I think it was the third highest rated appearance that they've had this season. He was behind only um, uh, Elon Musk, that is, only behind Chappelle, who was speaking about it, and Chris Rock. So, you know, comedy, too, is getting woke. And Chappelle, at least, is saying that's a mistake. Yeah, I think it, it's it's such a complicated thing. And comedy is you know, a, a super complicated, nuanced art form. But at the end of the day, it's 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 not that everyone's actually got so much more woke, although that's a product of it. It's that they're trying to control identities. I mean, this has happened in every, you know, subculture. And and right now, that's the dominant, you know, worldview that you're supposed to have. Right. You know, we look at this and it's like SNL has gone woke. It's like, well, maybe or really the answer is like SNL is like a big corporate machine that has like the mainstream opinion that and no one cares about. And that's what they have to do. So Elon Musk is a perfect example of what I was saying. You know, I think at the beginning of this episode where I'm talking about there's such a disconnect from what people you know, want you to think and what people actually think. I mean, there's this idea that if you look on Twitter, that Elon Musk is this evil guy and everyone hates him. Ask 90% of dudes. They're just like, yeah, that guy's pretty cool. You know, that's sort of the mm -hmm. the gist of what people think of Elon Musk. They go, oh yeah, the, the you know, go to, the, go to Mars guy. That guy's pretty cool. 
So it's it's almost like the idea, the reverence for these institutions that they're because they're chipping away at their credibility. You know, they're these legacy places and they think they can just kind of do whatever they want. And unfortunately, they're playing a hard game too. you know, watch when SNL puts out a sketch that's anything other than mainstream opinion. They just get yelled at nonstop the same way we do. And, you know, Mm -hmm. for them, they have all these sponsors and they're set up in a way that they they can't be the new thing. Comedy originally you know, it was sort of set up that you, if you're the jester and you're this low status thing, like, you know, pirates are, uh, comedians are pirates and essentially it's scum, lowest of society. And then as, <laughs> but as these places got bigger, you end up with a situation where they all went to Harvard and then there's a farm system where if you do this, then you can get to SNL. And then you're essentially like part of the bureaucracy, you know, you're, you're mm-hmm. meeting with the king. And, and so these places got so important that no one wants to lose these jobs. But in doing that, you lose your ability to say anything. It's like, well, no, now that you're essentially a politician, you can't just say whatever you want. No, it it only works really if you're already on their team. You know, I mean, like take the rise of Sarah Cooper. She's this 44 year old woman who is doing some stand up comedy, but not not hugely successful. And then when the pandemic hit, she decided to give TikTok a try and went viral in these videos just mocking Trump. She would just play his audio and mouth it very well, um, sort of lip sync it and uh, imitate him. And, you know, it was mocking and she hates Trump and so on. And I mean, from those, she got a Netflix deal and a CBS deal. She's gotten she's getting a new show. You didn't you didn't get a CBS deal. You didn't get a Netflix deal. And so, like, of course, the the reason people fell in love with her is because she was mocking him. If you had another comedian doing that to Biden, there is zero question about whether CBS and Netflix would be running to you, offering you a show. I never have a problem with someone that, you know, was able to build this big audience and and then they get stuff. I mean, whether you like it or not, I th- I personally think com- comedy is best when you're not on any team. And that's, you know, you kind of keep the narrative from getting out of control. I think that you're when you're tr- telling the truth, society's always going to go out of control. So I think comedy at its best, if you look at at least what I think are the best comedians in the world right now, especially the younger ones, most of them aren't out there with a pol- politician's name in their bio and stuff like that, essentially, you know, working for a campaign. But when you take a show like Roseanne, Roseanne wasn't political. I watched it all the time. It wasn't political at all. No, she was. And Tim Allen show she- too. She was political on Twitter. Right. And that and then went too far and got canceled and so on. And there and yeah. she had a defense. And then I'll leave it up to the audience to figure that one out. But my point is those shows and that's more of a class situation um, that resonates so, so strongly with Americans don't get recreated. Why? Because who even thinks to appeal to that group of, of Americans? It tends to be Republicans. The working class has is now a Republican voting block. And you would think just out of capitalism, these, you know, the people who control the airwaves would would do something for them, but they don't. So, OK, fine. Take it someplace else. Right. Um, in linear. Well, no, television, I agree there's, with you. There's that really sucks. no place else. But wait, wait, let me just finish this point. Yeah. In linear television. There is no place else. Right. Like it's controlled by people who are far left. So people go online. They go to the digital world in, in news and, and comedians and so on. Great. Then what you see is things like parlor suddenly goes away. Conservative media on YouTube, it gets censored every other day. Steven Crowder can't even get a show. He's a comedian and a social commentator. Um, can't even get a show on the air every other day because he's constantly offending YouTube. Um, you get people banned from Twitter constantly, and they're always rightly. It's just it, the frustration I understand from the conservative ecosphere is they try to create their own lanes, and they're doing it. But corporate America, digital America, Silicon Valley, all the people who control the ways you get to people 
uh, right now are still controlled by people with one ideology who do not want voices from the other, even if it's not a Republican thing, even if it's an anti-woke thing like you are, uh, to have larger platforms. I can only really speak to comedy. And there is a thriving, you know, comedy industry and a lot of people are filling out lots of seats. And so I, I know what you're saying and I, I, I do agree with you and it sucks. I guess I'm just always kind of going back to the idea of, you know, what can I do? And I think that I, you know, I talk to so many people that, you know, for whatever reason are disenfranchised by, by a lot of this stuff. And it's imagine someone that you know, that they feel like they're the wrong identity that's the in vogue thing at the moment at some workplace or some government job, right? And I was in that scenario. I mean, when I was uh, doing stuff at CBC, which is the Canadian Broadcast Corporation, I was part of, you know, traditional media. And I had probably the biggest views out of any show. And there, my um, digital series, um, other, the two or three other ones would be turned into television shows and mine wouldn't. And I was in a million conversations you know, in closed doors and in on uh, conference calls where it was like, listen, like they're not doing a show with a white male. Like, that's just what the situation is. Um, if you want to, you know, potentially we could be partnering with someone that isn't white or whatever it is. Right. Like the amount of these conversations I have and I go, yeah, OK, so option one is I can, you know, stay there and complain. Option two is I sort of moved to America and tried to build my own thing. So I, of course that sucks. And, you know, Tim Allen's getting his show kicked off the air because for no reason when it was a hit. And I've seen this time and time again. And I guess to me, it's sort of the same thing that I was talking about with music, where it's like, I look at some of these things and the same way, you know, everyone's, how many people were considered themselves a liberal and then now the world goes, actually, you're conservative now. And these people are always fighting for the word liberal, where I guess I'm just like, you know, who cares about these words? Coming up uh, after the break, we're going to get into the attack that Sarah Silverman decided to launch on Caitlyn Jenner, calling Caitlyn Jenner a transphobe. <laughs> you can't. You can't make it up. Um, so we'll get into the soundbite and uh, some thoughts on that in one second. First, this. By the way, it was it's not just Tim Allen, Roseanne, uh, but you know, Live PD is another good example. It was no, it's number one. It was number one show on on um, its network A and E. It was beating every show in cable news, every single one. But that had to go away for no reason other than cops were being maligned in the news. So a show about cops had to go away. It was just like <laughs> crazy. And and now now you've got you're talking about sort of the Hollywood virtue signalers. So and funny. the latest is the Golden Globes. Have you seen what's happening with the Golden Globes? They're They've got to go away. The NBC is not going to air the Golden Globes. Um, oh, and no. What will yes. I watch? I know. I'm telling you. I like you, the Ricky yourself. Gervais. <laughs> Ricky Gervais is pretty funny at the Golden Globes. Yeah, he killed the Golden Globes. It was amazing. He stuck a knife in and they've never been able to recover. Um, but they're going away now because the Hollywood Foreign Press Association doesn't have enough diversity in it. It's like 80 some odd members and none is black. Which is ridiculous. That's Hollywood. Hollywood is racist. It's its whole system has been racist for a very long <laughs> yeah, time. Yeah. And like, but they're the ones who are constantly lecturing the rest of us on, on, on how we're all racist. <laughs> you can imagine that if you were one of these companies that poured all your money into diversity, and then you made all your movies with that, and then uh, Golden Globes is like, yeah, we're not going to pick those movies. <laughs> yeah, I'd be mad too. Cause you're not, totally. You, you're entire. You put your entire investment on that. I watch these shows where I'm like, you want? I I watch a show like. 
even if it'd just be some random cop show and you go there'll be like 10 people and like eight of the characters are gay and you're like yeah that's probably the percentage that it represents reality but i mean <laughs> right. to me it's to me it's funny i go good um yeah golden globes eat yourself hollywood i i love when yeah. they have their intersectional train wrecks and they uh they outwoke themselves out of their own jobs it's just such a so funny that's what's happening and so they're not going tom cruise mailed back his Gold, his three Golden Globes. And somebody on Twitter was like, oh, that's that's a great gesture. Where, how about all the money? Where's the why don't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> give back the money. And then you've got people like Mark Ruffalo who will not stop lecturing us. Oh, my a God. True guy, hero. He, he's my neighbor on the Upper West Side. He lives not far from me. Yeah, up nice. here. He, see, oh, you're in he's in the right. Nice. Yeah, he's in the right place for him. I'm 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 the one who doesn't belong here. I don't I don't see the world as he does. But he um. He now is saying, yeah, this is outrageous. We, I'm going to boycott the, the Golden Globes. I'm not going at all. And like one year after he accepted a Golden Globe, here he is last year accepting his Golden Globe. Let's turn the page on the cruel past of this nation. The good news is inclusion and justice and care for Mother Earth is breaking out everywhere. The godly light of decency is breaking through the hideous dark storm we've been living through. We are all in this together. Now suddenly, it, the Golden Globes have to be boycotted. We have we have not broken through. All that stuff I said, the hideous dark storm, it's still over us. I'm out. Ah, uh, his speech didn't work. Ah, oh, what a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> that great speech and it didn't change everything at the pace that he needed. It's so fun. That stuff's just like amazing. It's all that white fragility stuff where, you know, th these people went to... You know, a, a lot of the people I, I know all the people in this world. I mean, that's been my world the whole my whole life. And there's these actors that, you know, they 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 go, oh, you know how we feel weird around a black guy. I go, no, I don't. That's you. Like, I don't feel like that. I, <laughs> I grew up with you. Yeah, okay. Lo and behold, in the comedy scene, and again, uh, you know, I bring things back there because that's my you know world that I know the most. Yeah. And you have these like. We used to have a comedy club that was probably by far the most diverse comedy club. And it was, you know, whatever, just uh, the the it was the bad one. Right. Like that we would all do every night. And then there'd be all these other comedy clubs that would be like, you know, there needs to be more diversity. And these guys are bad. And you go, you guys are all white. It's like white drama kids telling you know a bunch of uh, like, you know, Indian and Asian people that they're the bad ones. And it's just <laughs> I think, you know, sometimes, yeah, Hollywood's living on a different planet. Wait a minute. This <laughs> this reminds me of another skit you did that is amazing. It's this is number four in our slot list, but it's about Silicon Valley and it's and how diverse Silicon Valley is. Hang on. When people first started talking about diversity, I was a little apprehensive. But when I realized it just meant hiring a bunch of different colors of people who agree with me, I was all in. Every job should be 50% women. Well, I don't know if every job. Do you have a problem with diversity, Osama? No, I'm just saying that. Anyone else here have a problem with diversity? There's, There's no, no biological difference between men and, men and women. Very diverse guys, great work. I pledge to fill every position other than mine with the most diverse staff of people who agree with me in the history of Silicon Valley. <laughs> Big tech needs to censor <laughs> speech more. All right, let's tweet another picture of the staff. Actually, let me get in the middle of this puppy. Okay, on a three, say I'm with her. <laughs> we have black guys that hate Trump, brown guys that hate Trump, <laughs> Asians that hate Trump, women that hate Trump, <laughs> LGBT who hate Trump. Our main export at Diversity Corp is the right opinions but said by a black guy <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've i've seen this forever you know they try to i haven't i haven't seen these heard these videos in a while but yeah they they uh they've been doing this forever and it's like you know that's why the caitlin jenner and people like that kind of that stuff all makes me laugh so much because you just watch <laughs> it just puts them through the spin cycle when they you know they one of their pets don't agree with them <laughs>
Right. Oh my God. That's right. So, so on that front, what happened was she came out, she gave an interview. She's, you know, going to take on, uh, she's going to run for governor, uh, in California. And she said, she was asked about the, whether, whether, I mean, I just taped the show and, and yeah, she basically said that, uh, she doesn't agree with, you know, uh, women, uh, trans women in sports. And exactly. <laughs> she, does, she thinks it's unfair to the to the cis girls, to the to the biological girls. And 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 wait. So can I tell you? So she said that. Yeah. And then Sarah Silverman, she's a comedian. Yeah. Uh, of course, she's one of the angry activist comedians. I like what you said. There's a difference between comedy and activism. She's activist. She comes out and rips her to shreds. Let's see if we have the sound bites. I saw Caitlyn Jenner saying trans girls uh, should not play girls' sports. Caitlin, you're a woman, right? A trans girl is a girl. She should have the same rights as cis girls. This is not concern for girls' sports. It's transphobia, full stop. It's just such a bummer when a, you know, such a prominent trans woman is such a twat. You know, it's like being Jewish right now and having the most recognizable Jewish names be Weinstein and Epstein. You know, it's like super not awesome. But yes, she it's she, Caitlin, for taking that position is totally just like Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> and she's yes. a transphobe. Well, yeah, so she, you know, Sarah Silverman is part of that. I don't like to jump on comedians that much because she was obviously there was quite a controversial statement. But the, the uh, I was doing. Well, a let, joke. then let me do it. She's a moron <laughs> and is in no <laughs> position to call Caitlyn Jenner a transphobe. Why don't you walk a mile in her shoes? What she doesn't like about Caitlyn Jenner is that she's a Republican and she has no business referring to her as a transphobe without considering that not only is she a trans woman, she's an Olympic gold gold medal winning athlete. She knows a thing or two about sports, not to mention the biological advantages a male athlete might have over, quote, a cis girl, a cis woman, meaning you've always been a woman, you're born and identified a woman at birth and remain so. I think she was way out of line, but this is what we get. This is what we get. Yeah, you're not supposed to have the wrong opinions if you have the right identity. That's that's very important. I, I was doing a joke though, where I was saying that everyone said that Trump's a Nazi, and I didn't. I was when I moved here from Canada, your president's a Nazi, and then I didn't believe him. But then he started locking up every Jew. He locked up Epstein. He locked up Weinstein. Locked up Anthony <laughs> Weiner. <laughs> steen after steen after steen. Like God, it's outrageous, and I I never thought about it like that. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's not surprising. I mean, you know, it's like if you're in Hollywood and you're that, it's like, yeah, that that's the opinion you're supposed to have. I mean, <laughs> it's it's just funny. It's like, hey, oh, every person in Hollywood just here's the 15 things we all think we don't agree on one thing. I mean, it is funny. It's so funny to see. You know, I I, I kind of judge someone if if someone's you know a thinker, generally a lot of people you're going to have at least one or two things that kind of goes against you know here's my list of things so whenever someone has every single thing you think is is the like right in vogue opinion at the time I go at the very least from a statistical probability you go a little suspicious and I, I think you've noticed that and I don't necessarily have a a side on this one but there is I, I thought it was in, just an interesting case study with, you know, this Israel-Palestine stuff that's going on, because there's a lot of celebrities that, you know, kind of uh, are pretty vocal, have been pretty vocally in support of Israel or whatever. And then in this, that is, you know, Palestine is the kind of the proper one to support or, you you know, if you don't want your, 
you know, career to get taken or whatever. And it's fun. So they won't post their opinions. These people that, you know, have every every opinion on a tweet, every opinion on this, you know, the one time that they kind of don't have the correct opinion, you know, even though it's a pretty huge thing. And a lot of these people, it was, you know, they're one of their cardinal points of their, you know, identity and structure. They won't talk about that because they know it kind of is going to go against their their people. So I, I like I like people that that, you know, have their own opinions and they don't necessarily align in lockstep with every opinion they're supposed to have in no, whatever you're, group you're they're 100% from. 100% right about that that and you're right that that's the sort of the quote right opinion to have is to support Palestine and I mean there was a big fight a couple of years ago at the Democratic National Convention about what the whole platform of the party was going to say whether it should whether it should say that um and and people are been they've been very silent on it and things are going from bad to worse over there um, but I see it too. You mentioned this when it comes to COVID. It's like people who in the beginning were tweeting out, sort of lecturing everybody, stay home, which people did, wear the masks, which people did, take the vaccines, which people are doing, right? Some, some groups aren't, but overall Americans are getting vaccinated. Now stay silent when the science, remember, listen to the science, the science is telling us we can take off the masks after our vaccinations. The kids can go back to school. The kids do not need to be wearing these damn masks while they run around outside, even though they haven't been vaccinated. They're littles. They don't have to wear them. And yet a lot of a lot of the people who were lecturing us about covid restrictions and obeying them now say nothing when the science has changed. We've learned. Right. Like it's time to stand up for people, their liberty, especially the kids. Bubkiss, right. Crickets in too many cases. Yeah, I mean, Fauci said we're in the bottom of the sixth inning. If I had my way, I'd convince everyone that we're in the first game of a very long series. So I think maybe 2028 would be a good time to even think about taking off masks. That's just, you know, that's where I sit on the issue. I'm not telling everyone else what to think, but I'll be wearing my mask well into the 30s. That's just how I feel about it. You know, and it's funny because they get people are so wrapped up about conspiracy theories. And I know so many people that just went to... How many times can you lie to people before they start looking for other answers? I mean, it, 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 the idea is where they go. You're not supposed to, you know, it used to be uh, you could. Uh, it's sort of funny. The idea that it's like you go, I just have a question. They go, no questions. You know, Dan, my friend Danny has kind of a funny joke about that. But they it's like your girlfriend coming home and being like, you, where were you? And she was like, oh, where were you for two days? And she goes, oh, I was just uh, here. And you go wait, where? And she goes, no questions. You go, you're not supposed to ask questions. Don't you love me? And you go, well, I don't know. It's a little fishy here. And they go, no question. And, you know, eventually at some point after, you know, being told things you saw were lies and then uh, told that, you know, getting in trouble for anyone that's asking questions that people start getting into some wacky theories because they, you know, they can't trust. They don't know who to listen to. I mean, yeah. you go on the news right now. I mean, if you look at it's it's so impossible to find you know, the truth about anything through news. So you just have to kind of pay attention to anything and try to do your best to like put together what you think the truth might look like because it's so impossible with everyone's, you know, agenda. Up next, we're going to get into COVID and uh, the lionization of Dr. Fauci, how wrong this woman running the CDC has been and remains this. She's an emotional wreck, this woman. We got to get we got to get her out of this post. This She needs to be removed and put in a more gentle profession. I don't know what it is, but this is not somebody who should be running the national health policy or weighing in on it in any meaningful way. You heard 
possibly the stuff she said about camp this week. Like a hysterical, like she reminded me of one of these, like, I don't just like, I've said it before, forgive me, but she's one of those women who gives women a bad name, right? Like emotional, like my son and camp. And meanwhile, spewing a bunch of misinformation. So it's not all about being a woman. It's about being disconnected from the facts. And we're going to correct that here in one minute. We have a feature today that <laughs> we do features here on the Megyn Kelly show, including one we call Sound Up, where we bring the audience a soundbite that w- that's making news or what have you. And cool. um, we have this, uh, the CDC director here, Rochelle Walensky, who's in hysteric. She's a hysterical person. Uh, I, there's, she has no business running the CDC because she continues to make hysterical statements and show how, how weak she is when it comes to controlling her emotions, which is not the person we want in this position, Right. Um, but she came out, she got cross-examined by senators yesterday, including, you know, moderate senators like Susan Collins uh, of Maine, who's never considered right enough for most of the Republican Party. So it's not like she's some hard right winger, but she's coming after her saying, look, some of your guidance at the CDC is nuts. We do not need to have double masks all summer for children when they go to camp and everybody knows it. And your own guidance shows us that. So why don't you relax a little, Rochelle? And um, here's how Rochelle responded. With regard to camp, I have a 16-year-old. Every day, every year, he comes home from camp and he writes the number of days until he returns to camp the next year. This year, it got to zero and I told him he wasn't going. I want our kids back in camp. We now have 38,000 new infections on average per day. Last May 11th, it was 24,000. And we sent a lot of kids home and camps were closed. The camp guidance is intended to get our kids to camp and allow them to stay there. Thank you. Oh, my God. That is so misleading. I mean, first of all, camp's about, over, buddy. Are, get used F to camp. it. There, there are about four times as many tests going on right now as there were at this time last year. This time last year, we didn't understand anything. We were, we were dealing camp? with this new. Right. We didn't. We didn't. Right. We didn't know <laughs> Zoom. Right. We you didn't know Zoom how it camp. spread. I'm we didn't Zoom know. Camping. we didn't know anything right we've learned a lot more about how to treat it a lot more people have been vaccinated since then we understand now thanks to the cdc that it basically doesn't it doesn't spread outside and to his credit a new york times reporter um david lenhart ripped the cdc uh in a in a post he he put out saying it's 0.1 percent of covid cases that come from outdoor transmission 0.1 okay and by the way even that's questionable because if you look behind that number, uh, they 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 base it on studies at a construction site in Singapore. And even Singapore has come out and said that could have been indoors, too. Uh, we're not even sure about that one. So we're basing it on something like because of some misguided data out of Singapore. She wants our kids to, to maintain double masks all summer long. And this is not her first hysterical statement. Here she was just a couple months ago, like tearing up. Listen. I'm going to pause here. I'm going to lose the script and I'm going to reflect on the recurring feeling I have of impending doom. We have so much to look forward to, so much promise and potential of where we are and so much reason for hope. But right now I'm scared. Ryan, that sounds like a Canadian. (laughs) Yes. Well, you know, when you start getting into numbers and stuff, it does get a little above the pay grade of what I know what I'm talking about. And listen, you were kind of saying the beginning that I moved to America and, you know, I'm seeing that they're in freedom. But 
you know, the truth is I'm from Canada right now and America has, you know, states that are open and, you know, there are places that are, you know, like, you know, on the Fauci plan where let's stay up, let's stay closed till 2095. But when I, when this went, got really bad in New York, I moved to Miami. So, um, I'm, you know, me and, uh, my little squad, we moved to Miami and we set up shop there and I was making videos there and we, we took a deal. So we we're writing a movie in Miami. And then I went on tour to all the open places. Um, and I couldn't have done that in Canada. My friends in Canada, New York has stand up open now in Canada. So uh, Canada right now is completely locked down, like the first lockdown essentially. And there's, there wow. is at least, you know, there's people like you and there, there is a, a more fair conversation here at least and and half the half your states are saying you know we're not going to do this and then there is some positivity it was like listen if you want to be the safest person in the world then yeah move to portland and i'm sure it's very aggressively totally. safe and if you want to if you don't want to move to miami and i guess people have been speaking because so many people have left california so many people have left san francisco so many people have left new york and so i, I, I to me that's good and i like the idea that people are allowed to if you want to go think that you know this i'm a more safety over freedom person. I, it's very, very important to me to be safe until there's no chance of catching COVID. And these people won't get the vaccine, which isn't uh, making me feel unsafe and all that stuff. At least there are, you know, a divide of you get to choose which one you are. Because a lot of times people well, say yes right and, and wrong. No. Yes, but you can't leave. Like, yes, yeah, some people have left blue states to go to states like Florida. I'm just saying are... it's better than Canada. I mean, it, it, it's... Uh, oh, I, you know, I mean, that's, we, could, we, could end, we can begin in every, and end every segment. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my beloved <laughs> producer is from Canada, and I, I'm always kidding her about Canada. I love Canadian. And Janice, my, my closest friend, is Canadian. So I, I, I jest uh, because I, I'm mad that Debbie moved there. But yeah, no, the, but the problem is, so like I live in New York, right? With you and, yeah. and our state is controlled <laughs> by ours. No, I don't, I don't, but I'm going to, I am yeah. but for different reasons, but no, I, I get you. More people. I don't, I, I don't want to have to move to Florida or Texas just to have sanity reflected in policy. Yeah, yeah. And to, just to your, to your point, I just looked this up. The Oregon governor, to your point, Portland, um, has just said, even when they get to 70% vaccinated, masks and social distancing will have to continue. Then you look at Governor DeSantis in Florida. He was asked, what direction do you have for schools this fall? And he, he said, quote, our direction is simple. Have a normal school year. He said that these these kids do not need to be wearing masks. Sorry, but they don't. And the South Carolina governor, too, just issued an, an executive order saying parents parents should decide whether their kids should wear masks in school. He's prohibited mask mandates in their state, um, banning vaccine passports. So I right. love federalism. I really do. But it's just <laughs> in states like mine, yeah. where which are controlled by people who seem to be in love with the COVID fear porn. It's frustrating. I guess I'm not like a rule follower to begin with. So, I, I, you know, I've gotten a lot of people mad at me over the pandemic. But, you know, when they were like, oh, you're allowed to have gatherings of three people now. And I'm like, I mean, make it zero people. I'm not really following it. So I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> you know, so I mean, it's it, yeah, it sucks. But, you know, I'm like, I'm not like I'm not turning on the TV to hear what Fauci tells me I can do. I'm just doing whatever I want to no. do. Same or Rochelle. I'm over Rochelle. But I did. I did appreciate you calling out the the BS on like the protests and the how the virus, the, the skip was something like the coronavirus doesn't spread in gatherings that I support. You know, I, everyone kind of noticed that it was so, it was so obvious. Like, it, yes, you know, but they don't say it as, as, as effectively as you do. And I have it here. Number eight, as an example. 
Some of you might be wondering why last month I was writing articles about how leaving your house is basically bludgeoning the elderly, and this month I'm writing articles about the importance of large social gatherings. And after a ton of research, scientists have discovered that the X factor in determining whether a gathering is dangerous is whether or not I, Mark Diamond, personally support it. There's something about the dynamics of the coronavirus mixed with my personal political beliefs that made it important to snitch on your friends for gathering last week and important to snitch on them for not supporting gatherings this week. Science is crazy. For example, science determined that white people gathering at the park last week were basically Ben Stiller from Happy Gilmore, and now they have a social duty to make large gatherings a cardinal part of their identity. They've been able to A-B test this with causes I don't support, like religious gatherings, family events, and the science shows that coronavirus is still rampant at these gatherings. Something about the molecules in my opinions that made groups of five bad, but groups of 10,000 good, running a store bad, but looting a store good. I'm not a scientist, but health officials everywhere have been experiencing the exact same phenomenon. Hey, I'm as surprised as you are that my opinions made Corona live on surfaces last month and immune to them this month. It also appears that my opinions have the ability to change someone like Kanye West's anatomy to make them fundamentally good or bad. Scientists have also found that Donald Trump plays a big role in this and that I choose my opinions in opposition to his, which then allows Corona to use that information when deciding which gatherings that it plans to infect. You know, it's a very complicated issue, and all you can do at home right now is follow me and other bloggers on Twitter as our opinions constantly change so you can figure out which causes make you a murderer and which ones make you a hero. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Dude, God, I've, seen so many <laughs> I've seen so many people's brains just get fried in the last four years. <laughs> Or you just watch people on Facebook. You're like, well, that guy's gone. <laughs> <laughs> so true. I mean, there was a story just this week about the, the D.C. mayor, Muriel Bowser, the same woman who was doing exactly what you said, shaming everybody to stay inside. And then she went to the Joe Biden inauguration and, and to parties. Now, it was like to parties and celebrating out on the street. And she was like, well, I'm just advancing the, the interests of the District of Columbia. But wait, how? How again? And she just came out. <laughs> The same woman who was at the, the gatherings, you know, enjoying herself, just came out and banned dancing at weddings. It's like Footloose all over again. And John Lithgow, uh, it, it's she said, this is the this is the guidance now. Right. And if you live in Washington, D.C. from your mayor, guests at weddings and other one time events, any one time event must remain seated and socially distanced from one another uh, or from other household groups. And I quote, standing and dancing receptions are not allowed. You can't stand. What? I can't stand her. This is ridiculous. That's another one of those things like the Elon Musk thing where everyone that I know that's just, you know, normal that doesn't care that much about politics is, yeah, these lockdowns are outrageous. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then, but that's, you know, there's, I think that's the uh, thing a lot of times that I'm kind of making fun of is the idea of taking sort of, things that just everyone kind of thinks and but it's like the cardinal sin to like say it what do you make of um the media these days here in america like the how things have changed in the post-trump era um i think that a lot of people are sort of trying to figure out what it looks what their what their identity looks like now that the cardinal part of it is you know uh has been removed so i think there's a lot of people struggling for what what it is. And I, I do think that a little bit on both sides, you know, I do see 
you know, you see people that are still posting how great Trump is. And you're like, I mean, that how long can you do that for? How can that, how long could that be your identity? And then you see people that hated Trump and they're still, you know, still still writing articles. I I, I did a video, but I, was, I thought it was so funny when people the you know, the blogs and stuff like that were posting articles like the Joe Biden got rid of Trump's Diet Coke button. And you're like, this is what you guys are up to now. Right. <laughs> because, uh, yeah, that was their, you know, golden goose or whatever is. So I think a lot of people are trying to figure out like, all right, well, what do I look like now? How do you aggressively su how do you venomously support a politician is kind of what I was saying. But yeah, I have a I have a no, funny video. You, you, no, we actually you. have it. We actually no, have no, it. I was going to say that I was going to tell you a video I'm going to do that uh, next week. <laughs> I'll debut the thing because just because you're talking about the COVID thing, I think you'll think it's funny. But okay. it's the governors that locked everyone down. And they're, it's a trailer for a movie where they're getting back to get getting the gang back together for one last lockdown this summer. And they, they, figure, they, figure it out, they figure it out how to do it. And they're like, you've gone loco, Newsom. And he's like, we can do this. We'll find the science, you know, and they because they, they were heroes. Right. They were. It's just sort of the same thing you're talking about. But that's they were. You know, their identity, but they were these saviors, right? You know, there was a mm -hmm. while I even watched with Canadian politicians where all they had to do was go up and be like, you know, stay in your house. And everyone's like, this guy is the man, you know, he knows what he's talking about. And then <laughs> and then once that all sort of faded away, they're kind of like, you know, what what am I? You know, who am I? So I think that, <laughs> you know, a lot of people are figuring out uh what they what they look like as a you know after this you know war that they were such a cardinal point part that's of that's such so. a good point i never do the parallel between the media post trump and these democratic leaders or really just pro lockdown leaders i mean trump was president when the big lockdown was put put in um how how they're seeing themselves and and how their reputations have changed i mean fauci's probably cuomo the best. was the man 8 months ago you know in new york oh. remember the thing people like oh cuomo sexuals people loved him people go oh this guy's yes. the man and then now he's <laughs> now if you hate him. Oh, yeah. Now people are marching against him. Um, 100 percent. I, I know people like that. But wait, I want to give the audience a taste of what you did on the, the blogger Trump withdrawal because you've nailed it again. Number three. So it's been months now since Donald Trump was voted out of office and things in the blogging world have not been good. He's still not on Twitter. For the first few months, we tried to write about post-President Trump, like how no one wants to go to his club anymore or they got rid of his Diet Coke button. It's like phantom limb syndrome. I can still feel his Twitter even though it's not there. <laughs> I tried getting my fix writing about Ted Cruz or how Jeff Bezos has too much money and he's done jack shit for me. There was that moment where we were trying to get him impeached even though he wasn't the president anymore and just felt like old times again. And I thought traffic might be up again. And then my article about someone doodling at the impeachment completely bombed. My friends are getting laid off by the dozens. How quickly they forget about my service in the resistance. I serve this country. And yeah, I know. I was writing articles about how I didn't want to get out of bed because of Donald Trump. Turns out he's the reason I wanted to get out of bed. Not a single thank you for your service. Big surprise. <laughs> Can I tell you, like, just today, just today, there's an NBC News, quote, senior reporter, Brandy Zadrozny. I, I never heard of this person. Um, who wrote a piece on how no one is reading Trump's new blog. It's not lighting up the internet. I mean, you're like, it was, oh, you could have used it. This belongs in your piece. It is funny that, you know, Trump does the the press releases and they're always kind of, <laughs> everyone's like, man, this guy was so outrageous. It's funny. <laughs> right. But, but everybody who covers, you know, news, who's in the news business, pro or anti, they do miss him, no matter what they say. I mean, CNN, <laughs> yes, which was does. like, revived and people were like jeff zucker's the second coming they are bleeding viewers now i mean just hemorrhaging viewers i'm just i just looked at the latest numbers and these, these may not mean much to you but i'll give you some perspective 
CNN, this is just a day last week, Thursday, but it's representative. Average daytime rating, um, about 700,000 in the overall. 700,000 like, uh, you know, households watching. 180,000 in the key demo of 25 to 54 year olds, which is the only thing that matters. That's all that matters for advertising and, and cable. We only look at the demo. They got 180,000 in the demo. I'm t- like, we beat that easily on on my podcast. One hundred and fifty three thousand in the demo in MS at MSNBC, right? And even Fox is struggling with two hundred fifty three thousand in the demo. I'm just saying, Trump. That he's he's one of those guys like you'll miss me when I'm gone. And for sure, the ratings. Yeah, do. Golden Goose. All right. Yeah, I think that the I guess the maybe things calm down about as much a little bit in terms of people trying to you know, get people fired and all that stuff. But it it kind of looks like it hasn't. But it's even your point about the what we were talking about with the the bloggers, it, it's they do love it. And that's kind of why, you know, I see it as so disingenuous sometimes where they're like, oh, I found this, you know, offensive thing this guy said. I'm so mad. And it's like, no, you're stoked. You know, you can't believe your luck. You're happy. You know, and I think that that's one of the things that was originally a lot of people started to notice when, you know, every these people that kind of, you know, comb through the internet and spend their days trying to like take down people or whatever. Mm. Um, you know, and that's the problem with, you know, groupthink and stuff like that is, you know, when you start seeing other people as not people. Yeah. You also are pretty quick to call out people who are just, they're all about their victimization. How have they been victimized and how, you know, the world has done them wrong and what, and the real answer in life is just figuring out how people have wronged you. That's the key to success. I guess I guess the difference is I think that I understand why people, you know, become part of these things. So when I see someone that spent their whole life trying to be an actor in Hollywood and they spent 15 years trying to get to Hollywood and then they get to a movie and then they go, this is what you think when you're in this movie. And then they come out and kind of say that stuff like I do understand why they're doing that. And I guess I I know a lot of these people. So. I don't it's like I don't th- see them as like this guy's the worst and they're the devil. I, I understand the like social pressures and how strong it is. And, I, you know, I deal with this and everyone does. And I'm, you know, someone that spent their whole life getting kicked out of schools and everything. You know, I've mm-hmm. been a naturally trouble, na- troublesome person and whatever, I don't, whatever you want to call it, like uh, always kind of uh, gone gone against what I see as mainstream thought in a lot of ways. And then you see some like normal guy or normal person just works at some place and you're like, hey, why don't you stand up to all this stuff? And it's like, well, it's freaking hard. So yeah. I, I guess I I empath I empathize with anyone who's, you know, in some version of a like a groupthink cult. Well, honestly, that's why I think you've become such an important social commentator because you are so good at it. And I can see, you know, it's Thank not you. done. It isn't done with venom, but it's done with amazing insights and humor. I mean, the the one the 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 clip we already played this without you um, when you when it came out because we all loved it so much we played it with another guest was the, you you doing the modern therapist trying to explain to all these young people why really nothing was their fault um, stand by it's number two yesterday I lied in the bath drunk for eight hours everyone needs self care and I actually applaud you for recognizing that 
A lot of therapists will tell you how to get your life together and what you could do differently, but they rarely ever focus on what the world could do differently. That is your family's fault, that's society's fault. Whoever you are, there's things working against you. It's my job to find those things and help you base your entire identity around them. Mm, I've been feeling pretty lonely <laughs> lately. Have you tried posting online about what men could do differently? I was dating this one guy, but then I f***ed his best friend in his bathroom at his birthday party. If he can't take you at your worst, he doesn't deserve you at your best, and society needs to <laughs> changes views on women at their worst. I now understand the world needs to change the way it looks at hot messes. I think I've been smoking too much weed. You've actually been smoking the perfect amount, and am I correct in saying you use it to self-medicate? 93% of New Yorkers go to therapy, so whether you're born in the wrong place, with the wrong parents, the wrong amount of motivation, or the wrong gender, you want energy to be focused on who is to blame for that happening, rather than the antiquated <laughs> what you can do about it. <laughs> As Corinne Fisher, so funny. So good. So good. Uh, do you think it's worse in Canada than in America, that dynamic? Or do you think it's the same in your experience? Um, it's always worse in smaller places because there's not room for dissonance or subculture the same way that it's worth in, worse in Portland than it is in, yeah. you know, uh, even you know Los Angeles probably because the smaller the place, the less room there is for uh, you know, thought that goes against it. But so I, it's, it's definitely worse in, in the smaller place. And I think you notice that all over. And there's also mm. a cultural thing in America. But yeah, that that to me is, I think a lot of what I've been, you know, even talking about lately on stage and stuff like that. But there, there was a, there was a while where it was a bunch of people that were depressed, give you, giving you advice on how to be more depressed. And it was like, there's so much, you know, there's so many people right now that they're, you know, they're, goal you know they're i'm making the world a better place and it's like you're, i guess this is i'm not the you know the i wouldn't credit myself for any of these ideas they've been uh said by probably smarter people than me lots of other times but you know you see it in your friends you see your friends that have you know they have it all figured out and you're like what you're doing is not working at all and you're telling other people how to live their life so i think that anytime you kind of get into these ideologies that or their sole purpose, you know, at least their effect is that it's, you know, ruining your life. It's probably not, uh, probably not good. Right. <laughs> and I, and to go back to the other side, I, you know, I, I guess I see it where, you know, people get in these fights and it, it just rattles their brain so much. And I think that one of the things that, you know, maybe even you've been giving me pushback about, but there is a part of me that's like, you know, if, if, all of this stuff takes away your ability to have fun, then you've already lost. So, you know, if you spend your entire life in this thing where you've been robbed of your ability to, you know, have fun and enjoy yourself to some extent, you've already lost, even if you win. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, I used to talk about when I was at Fox, there was this group. Um, oh, gosh, I'm trying to remember their name, but it wasn't Media Matters, another group. But their motto was, we watch Fox so you don't have to. And they would they would blog every <laughs> single minute. Every single minute of Fox News all day long, I'm like, oh, my God, what a terrible way to live your life. You hate it so much. It's not good. Yeah. Dedicating right? your entire life to something you hate, I think. Yeah. They, um, they, they, there's a comedy has a ton of people that, you know, their entire thing is dedicated to, you know, being a stenographer for what's happening and getting mad at it. I mean, I, I can't think of a worse fate, right? Choosing to spend your whole day immersed in what you consider a toxic stew and just taking it in night and day, waking up in the morning, being like, now what? Now what? Now what? <laughs> no wonder they're so unhappy. It's always existed. It's just the level 
right now is unhealthy. I mean, listen, there were there were people that probably, you know, spent their time hating George Bush and there's people that probably spent their time hating Obama, but not the way that it was in the last four years. <laughs> this was oh, no. this was a, this was, a, you know, on crack. So uh, th- that can't have level. positive effects on people's brains. So what do you do? So, by the way, do you miss Canada at all? I miss my friends. I, I mean, it's kind of funny the way that I moved here because I moved here like, you know, not that many months before the pandemic. And I left everything in Canada and I go, okay, I'm going to move to America. And then I took like a sublet and I go, okay, once I'll get a place and then figure out which comedy clubs I'm going to do, kind of figure out where I live, get a place. And that's right when I moved into my place is when the uh, the pandemic happened. And I was planning on next week going back to Canada to get, I have a car sitting in Canada and I had, uh, um, all my stuff's in a storage locker. So I, I, I was so new here. Like I've right now, my car is at my, my uh, dad's place. And he, he's like, all right, this has got to fix it. I go, I don't know. Just sell it. What do we, I don't know. What do you want to do? You can sell it and keep it money or whatever. Like what am I supposed to do? So wait, why can't yeah. you go get it? Can you not, can you not go get your things and bring them back? No, no, you can't because if Still? you go back to, no if you well first of all they had no driving across the border only planes so i couldn't bring my stuff anyway and then the other thing was if you go back you have to so there's this i don't know the exact way it kind of changes and there's no way to find out you these these sites are almost intentionally vague but basically you're supposed to quarantine for two weeks so all right you have to quarantine for two weeks and then there's uh, under some circumstances you it's the same as australia where you essentially have to go to a hotel and then you pay for it and you stay at this hotel so right now my life is so busy and i'm touring like crazy and i'm doing all these videos and we're making a movie and it's you know i barely have a day you know i could probably make a three you know four day pack to you know whatever go see my parents or something like that and yeah. uh Get and, my you're, stuff. and you're but honest, I, I guess. You're you're not willing to lie. Well, I don't think um, you'd be able to get on. Like right now, it's not a matter of whether. I, of course, I'd be willing to lie. <laughs> yeah, I don't <laughs> care. Of course, I would. But if you go to the plane, they look at when your last thing was. I mean, I, maybe you could get away with it. But again, what about with I'm your like, car? Did they did the border guards check like when you enter? Like, like there's got to be a way around this. Well, maybe. But what I'm saying is, I, I don't think that that's the move for me right now is when they go, Hey, we're very serious about this, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I go, Hey, why don't I go try it? And then what? (laughs) After three days I go to the airport and they're like, well, you have to be in quarantine right now. And then what? I'm stuck in Canada and I, my life gets put on hold for, you know, in a very busy time. So I've also bought new stuff, mind you. So, uh, around Christmas, I was like, all right, I'll go back and see some people around Christmas and take that chance. And I sort of figured that out. And then my mom, you know, my parents were like, wow, we, we don't feel comfortable or whatever. You know, everyone's no they're way. All, they're all in. Right. So my, I, I <laughs> well, but she's gone through every phases I watch, you know, she's very uh, normal person and she, she's gone through all the phases she's gone through, you know, this is outrageous. And then she's gone through, well, if other people just lock down, uh, we wouldn't have to be dealing with this. And then she was, she had a while where she was like mainlining CNN and she was getting all fired up about Trump. She, she like, <laughs> she went through all the, I watched her go through every different phase. And I think that that's what a lot of people are doing. You know, one week they're something and sometimes it's one day or something. And one time there's something else. And then she would be to me, you know, like if, if, you, cause I'm touring and stuff and she'd be, a lot of people would say that to me. It's, you know, you know, if people like you that are, you know, touring and going to other places, if you weren't doing this, this lockdown wouldn't be happening. And I'm like, well, yeah, I don't believe that, you know, I don't believe <laughs> that's the case, but I understand, you know, so I, I, I've watched people that 
I know and care about all go through all, all the roller coaster of, you know, different opinions and different philosophies. And but basically, they're just trying to stay sane because, you know, the world's put people's lives on hold for two years and it sucks. I know. And especially in an era of disinformation when it comes to, I don't know, when, during the Trump presidency and the media and now with COVID and the CDC and the WHO saying China, you know, it came from it came from a bat cave, we swear. It definitely wasn't the lab. And then it's like the disinformation, not to mention Russia, by the way, which does, even though they haven't done most of what they've been blamed for, they've done a lot. So it's just there's there's it's hard for especially for older people um it's very hard stay yeah like in tune with what's real and people are losing (laughs) touch with reality especially if you had faith in these organizations you know it's hard to convince them that no 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 no. trust me now they're lying to you or maybe they were lying to you before but the lie you know it just wasn't so extreme and then yeah you know you're trying to rejig like how you interface with the world and when people do rejig that at 55 or whatever a lot of them end up you know really crazy so yeah yeah it's a difficult time for people to navigate right now especially when you're yeah you've you've been in this world for a long time that's what that's what the what we talked about the susan collins cross-examination of the cdc director but that's kind of what the senator was saying senator collins was saying look lady people you know a large portion of people still look to the cdc for guidance and your hysterics on camp just for one example and outdoor exposure is undermining your other messages that we still agree with. We, the Susan Collinses of the world, you know, it's like the New York Times reporter I mentioned, he he came out and he said flat out, and this is true, we've seen this elsewhere, but there's there's not a single, not a single documented COVID infection anywhere in the world for casual outdoor interactions, like walking past somebody on a street or eating at a nearby table. And yet still, this is what they tell us. And people are like, who do I believe? And I I mean, I think most Republicans in America, at least have been like, not her. We're not listening to Rochelle. We're not listening to Fauci. Like they've gotten it. But I think a lot of the Democrats who didn't trust Trump and sort of leaned into Fauci and and sort of the infectious disease world. That sounds weird. But you know, the, the spokespeople for it, they're still there. People are all getting the vaccine. You know, it's if you want to get a vaccine, you can get one in 10 seconds. I mean, like, in my opinion, you know, this is over. You know, yep. th- this yeah. is over and I, it's people don't want it to be over. And I, I, I kind of did. a Why? You know, Why don't they want it to be over? Well, a lot of people, I think the more uh, cynical view would be there's a lot of power involved right now. And I mean, you know, if you're the, the government, every everyone, there's a lot of people that are incentivized to have this continue. I mean, the government has a blank check to do whatever they want right now. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, if you look in certain places, you know, I know people here that are getting a lot of money for free from the government. And why would they go back to work? I mean, in Canada, you get $2,000 a month. I mean, some people that have bad jobs and especially a lot of like comedians that I know that didn't have money. It's like, dude, they're getting $2,000 a month. And you know, maybe still doing some other stuff on the side. And you know, a lot of people are into yep. day trading now and stuff like that. And they're like, hey, what, what's the issue? Why exactly do I want to go back to my job at a restaurant? So I think a lot of people, a lot of people are incentivized for this to keep going. And then uh, a lot of people, the COVID stuff, again, same with Trump is like c- kind of become their identity of, you know, telling people what to do one way or the other. And so 
I think uh, there's a lot of institutions, you know, like Fauci. I mean, once this is over, we're never going to hear that name again. That guy's out. God <laughs> willing. Like, yeah, but you know what I mean? Like, he's the <laughs> star of the world right now. And it's like, once this is over, like, that's the end of me hearing about that name. It should be the end now. Mm-hmm. It's like, you can get a vaccine if you want to. This is over. So on our on the Upper West Side where I live, there's, a, there's this little, like, bookstore slash toy store. And I love it. It's actually totally charming, but they're in love with every liberal ever born. <laughs> and like you walk in and it's like a shrine to um, the, the most famous progressives in America. Like they, I tweeted out a picture the other day of they have these little action dolls in Nancy Pelosi, Kamala Harris, Joe Biden, AOC was there in a white pantsuit. And they even had a Dr. Fauci action figure. And I was like, so hot. We, they, they've gone too far. My, my friends, we've, we've oh, he's a gone too far. Symbol. Can I tell you something? My my kids got it for me for Mother's Day as a joke. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, but it's listen, bad. I, he, like I'm I'm worried about the love for Fauci. I put him up there with Arnold and Steven Seagal in terms of the true heroes of our <laughs> generation. But okay, let me ask you a question. If you so you, you know, I know that you're in New York and this is where you live. Is it just the roots are too high? So, in your personal opinion, if you kind of you know see what most people in places like New York think uh, as, you know, crazy or whatever. How come you wouldn't move to, you know, somewhere else that would more suitable to you? Is it is it that mm-hmm. you just have a life here and you like the city? Like, what would be your uh, hesitation? You know, it's like to quote Tom Cruise from the movie Far and Away, which I love. I'm of Ireland and I'll stay in Ireland to the day I die. <laughs> he didn't. Um, but I, you know, I... <laughs> I was born, well, in Illinois, but I moved here seven months old and I've spent my entire life here. You know, I did a five year stint in Chicago, but I was I'm from Syracuse. I'm from Albany. I'm from New York City. These are the places I've spent my life. This is my mom is in Albany. My husband's family's in Philadelphia. We're of the Northeast and that's where we're going to stay. Like that's sort of who we are culturally, though, not politically. Do you know what I mean? We're just used to like a faster paced life, urban centers. Um, tons of cultural options very nearby. You know, in New York, obviously, it's the greatest city in the world in many, many ways. Yeah. You got Broadway, you got Lincoln Center, you've got the restaurants, the bars, all of which has been closed down and a major, major bummer, but it's coming back comedy. Um, so I, I love all that. And I and all of my friends are here and my children now are 11, 10 and seven. All of their friends are here and our our network of people that we've spent the past two decades with are here. We don't want to leave. We don't yeah. want to leave. I just want the crazy. And and even moving to New York, I knew well that they would be progressive, that this was a progressive city. And that well, it's, a liberal, would be progressive. Uh, yeah, it's a liberal metropolitan. That's fine. That, I, my family are Democrats. I have nothing against Democrats. I just don't want indoctrination. And really what happened in the schools here, which is a longer story and something I've talked about previous to this, is what's leading us to go. It's not my liberal neighbors. I love them. I don't they're not trying to lecture me. It's these schools which are which have a very divisive, very dangerous message right now. And there's just zero chance I'm going to let that happen to my children. So we're leaving, I guess, a little bit under protest. You know, it's not when people find out you're leaving, they're like, oh, I know New York sucks. It's dirty. It's gross. I'm like, no, no, that's not it. This, I actually still love New York and I love New York State, but I'm not going to live like this. And but I don't want to have to move to Texas or Florida to get the things that I think are reasonable. You know, do you think that there is some uh, level of that those things come with a liberal metropolitan. Like you, the idea that um, that is the trade-off that in liberal metropolitans, you know, you kind of have a more vibrant art scene and you kind of have a, you know, more vibrant, you know, culture of 
the sorts that you're talking about, whether that be nightlife or whatever. And that is sort of the trade off in, in your opinion. Or do you think that it doesn't have to be like that? No, because I think most liberals and even progressives are on my side when it comes to being anti-woke, like rejecting critical race theory and the constant judging of people and cancel culture. I just think that that is a very right. loud group that's overtaken large cities, schools, you know, colleges, sports. They're just so loud. But I, I do believe. I think you're right. As you would put it, the Church of Woke, right? I've seen it in your in your <laughs> your videos. They're they're their own special in quotes group, and they we have to fight them now. Sadly, my, our school systems have surrendered to them because they have no spines. You know, some liberals right now I think are confused that being progressive, being supportive, being non non bullying, being quote an ally means you have to support the Church of Woke, and you don't. I know enough liberals and progressives who are saying like privately like. What the hell that I believe they're on our side. So I, and New York has, has existed for, you know, how many years now being a progressive city, not buying into that bullshit like this stuff was not in our schools. It, it was not being forced down the throats. Yeah, there needs to be a new word to describe, you know, someone that is liberal, but not that. And I mean, on the Internet, you know, people kind of throw around the term dirtbag left, which, you know, in terms of the, the <laughs> podcast. world. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of. You know, a lot of comedians, you know, whatever that I would call themselves liberals or whatever that aren't, you know, for all this stuff that that's kind of a term that a lot of people use to describe what that would be. But, yeah, I think a lot of it is the still the terminology and the identity. So, yeah, you go if you you know, these people essentially elected themselves in charge of, you know, what that group thinks. And then if you don't want to be in that group, you get kicked out. And I mean, how many people have we probably all seen in the last year people that you know were part of you know considered themselves that group and then they go uh no we're not you're actually not mm -hmm. because you don't so they're you know they're i always said i've been saying the the rights auditioning for members and the left's kicking people out a member the left's kicking people out and that kind of always shows you who has the power you know whatever if you mm. whatever group has the you know cultural power is the one that is kicking people out but you know when you do all that stuff you 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 lose your power and i think that's what I'm kind of saying about Hollywood and all of these industries, whether that be big tech, all of them are using their legacy power to exert influence, which is in turn diminishing their power. I mean, they're they're mm -hmm. exchanging their power to, you know, as have policy affected or to have uh, radical change happen. First, Canada loses Ryan Long. Next, Hollywood loses America. I see the parallels. <laughs> I see what's happening Hollywood's here, Ryan. Hollywood's been losing America for a long time. It's just, yeah, you know, I, I think that people put up, they just weren't, they weren't rubbing it in your face so much, you know? I think before, everyone knew that they were watching, you know, these movies that were probably made, everyone in a, a lot of America was knew that they were watching movies made by, uh, Liberals. you know, people that, sure. didn't, you know, kind of didn't like them. But the, they didn't, <laughs> the movies weren't, uh, the the premise of the movie wasn't you're bad. You know, I think that's that, so that true. and that's why like comedy clubs like to me are the one of the last refuges. It's because in comedy clubs, it's all about at least, you know, the comedy that a lot of people do is all about, you know, kind of losing them and then getting them back. And then you kind of agree with this group and then you kind of agree with this group and pit everyone against each other. And you kind of play <laughs> these mind games and you're doing all that stuff. Right. Whereas on the Internet, there there isn't that part of it. It's you kind of say you're your one thing. But uh, th there's so many uh, comedians, I think, that are 
what you said that, you know, they're like, um, okay, I'm not going to watch something or I'm not going to watch something or normal people. I'm not going to watch something where the premise of it is I suck. <laughs> That's right. right, you right. Know, or be part of a system. Like I don't want to, you know, work at a place and people shouldn't want to work at a place where, you know, the, the agenda of the, the organization is that I'm bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like when it, a couple of years ago, Ben Affleck came out and said openly, he would not act across someone who was an open Republican, who's out as a Republican. <laughs> so oh, we knew it's not like a go. shock that Hollywood's left, but you know, what's happened now is next level. And of course the whole country's experiencing it. And so with that, I say, welcome to America. Um, I appreciate the social commentaries because they've brought a lot of laughs. And, you know, I do have to play that Church of Woke before we go, because I want people to hear how you nailed it, how you how you understand this group and their weird messaging. Let's listen to that soundbite five. You know, the Church of Woke is just like any other church, except our God is intersectionality and our devil is intolerance. But while some other religions allow you to repent and ask for forgiveness, we prefer you to repent in the form of a formal apology, and then we cast you out anyway. <laughs> and now shall put their pronouns in their bio. Right now, we're working on having our beliefs intertwined with the state. Get our teachings into schools, workplaces, the rule of law, sort of the unification of the state and woke. It is time for you to shut your mouths and listen, but it is also not my job to educate you. <laughs> you want to confuse them a little bit? So they just stop thinking and defer to you on everything. That's the greatest line. I wrote it down. Shut your mouth and listen. But it is not <laughs> my job to educate you. That's exactly right. Yeah. No, no questions. Yeah, I think that, <laughs> I mean, I've been around. That's been my world my whole life. And I think that uh, I kind of, the same way that, you know, the best comedy, you're making fun of people that you understand. Like when I was, you know, doing the bass player stuff and I was, you know, spent my life playing in bands and I did a show about Toronto and, and, uh, and the CBC, whereas I think that was probably one of the biggest problems with everyone making fun of Trump or in the modern era, people that were making fun of even people on the right is they were picking the wrong things because they actually didn't understand those people. So I think it mm. is, I, I try to like understand people it's when you play a character, you almost need to find a way to like him, even if it's like a serial killer. If it's the you almost need to, you know, understand why they're doing what they're doing if you want to do it right. And I think that's one of the things that probably is a little bit missing in mainstream comedy is people are making fun of people that they hate and don't understand a lot of times. Wow, that's really good. That's your secret weapon. The, the Canadian back Canadian Debbie. You, you, something positive about Canada. Here we I, go. I will tell you, but I from being Canadian, I do find that I am a little uh, less fighty than Americans. And sometimes it's <laughs> like there are. Yeah, because, some. you know, I, I spend so much time having people yell at me on the Internet and I'm and I feel like it is something that I'm getting better at. But it is I can I, it is true that my. <laughs> you know, nice Canadianness is in there. And I'm like, why is everyone yelling at me, dude? <laughs> <laughs> we'll get rid of that in no time. Give us one yeah, more year. Yeah, I, obviously. <laughs> yeah, 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 maybe. <laughs> but obviously I know that I'm, you know, stepping my foot in these waters that you're not supposed to step in. But it's, I think it's the, I honestly, it does remind me of the same thing that I've been dealing with my whole life where it's like, I was the one that needed to like cause all this trouble. But then when I'm getting the office, I'm just like, I don't know. I'm just trying to be funny. <laughs> but the the reluctantly like mean. Right <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, I don't know. For whatever reason, it's me and my friends. It's kind of, you have this, you know, uh, n n by nature to kind of stir stuff up. And 
and the comedy that interests me and the things that I want to say that interest me are always the if if you're allowed to say it, it kind of, you know, it doesn't feel interesting to me. It's I, I, I'm trying to say things that, you know, you're not supposed to say that I believe oh. that you know, haven't been said. Right. And it's, so you kind and then of you're living in the right world. This is this world was made for you. Yeah, but then you're all, but then your whole life is everyone yelling at you. So every every once in a while, you're like, maybe I should just not be a comedian. This sucks. <laughs> Debbie, <laughs> Debbie is um, and just by background, Debbie, she was in New York with me, and then she moved to Canada a long time ago. She married a damn can- Canadian and had a bunch of damn Canadian babies. Now I lost her to damn Canada. Um, but anyway, she's just sending me a, a picture of nice. the, the the caption is Canadian protest, and on the half one half is somebody holding a sign that reads. Don't do it again, okay? And the other half is somebody holding some <laughs> a big man saying, um, I, I, I'm a little upset. <laughs> I've, I've been saying on stage that Americans are a little bit like spoiled rich kids where everyone from every country wants to come here. And you guys are like, we're like, we want to come to your house. You know, you have, your dad has a pool and a trampoline. You're like, you don't get it. My dad's a Nazi. You know, that's like the gist of it. <laughs> where everyone wants to come here and Americans are like, what are you crazy? America's the worst. I'm like everyone wants to move here. Right. And that's that's the truth. And that's a happy note to leave it on. Listen, welcome. Welcome aboard. We love having you and <laughs> uh, you. look forward to much more entertainment. Good luck with it all. Yeah. Thanks a lot for having me. I appreciate it. All right, don't miss our show on Monday because we've got Carlos Watson. Now, Carlos uh, is the CEO and co-founder of Ozzy Media, which is doing really well. Uh, but he also hosts the Carlos Watson Show, which is super, super popular and gets like very big names. I mean, you name it, they've been on there, including me, but I don't count myself among them. But um, we've had great discussions, including discussions on race. And he doesn't come at the police or the race issue certainly from where I do, from where John McWhorter does, from where Glenn Lowry or Coleman Hughes uh, come. But he's like a really reasonable, thoughtful person talking about these issues from a different viewpoint. And, you know, he's a black man and he's got a different experience that he brings to this. He's a journalist. So, you know, he's straight news, but he's he's put a toe into these opinionated waters when it comes to stuff like George Floyd and so on and willing to have a really thoughtful, good respectful conversation because that's what he does like that's what he's known for and he's going to do it with me uh, on monday on these tough tough issues that we've all been trying to explore together so we'll get a different viewpoint i'm really looking forward to it and i know you're going to love carlos all right have a great weekend and we'll talk monday thanks for listening to the megan kelly show no bs no agenda and no fear the megan kelly show is a devil may care media production in collaboration with red seat ventures Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Here you are, BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. 
Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. 